0: Before we begin, I just want to invite you, if you haven't had a chance, to join us in our pilgrimage class. It's going to start next Sunday afternoon, 3.30, for six weeks. Uh, it's a great way to get to know more about the church, and uh, we won't offer it again until the fall. So, love to have you in that. You don't have to join, but it's a wonderful opportunity to get to learn more. And also, don't for- not forget, tonight is our community supper at Marble City, so If you want to go grab a meal, meet some folks, uh, they'll be heading over right after after church. Well, every Friday afternoon on the way home, I I, uh, have a little treat and I listen to a podcast that interviews writers and reviews books. I know that sounds boring, but I like it. And I love the podcast hosts and the interviewers and, and they seem kind, thoughtful, they're well read. I've been listening to it for a long time now. And one of the things that I've noticed is that almost, after maybe eight years of listening, almost no author or book deals with faith, deals with the spiritual life. It's as if it didn't even exist as a part of our life. And I was, I was wondering about that. And then they, they did an interview on uh, the book I mentioned last week, Jonathan Franzen's Crossroads, this book about um, a youth group in the 1970s. And, and so I thought, well, this is one of the great writers of our day. Surely he'll get it right. And so I'm about a third of the way through it now, listening to it. Uh, the characterizations are incredible and the plot's compelling. But I sense that he's, he's very curious about faith, even sympathetic to faith. And, and yet he still doesn't get it. And I was thinking, what is missing in this novel? This is such a brilliant novel. And, and I realized what's missing in this novel about religion and faith and church and a pastor's family is God. I listened to an interview with, uh, with Mr. Franzen, and, and he said that in his 30s he went through a hard time. He went to church for a while, and he, he said it didn't take. And, uh, that he, and it just broke my heart to, to hear that. But you could tell he was sympathetic. But he's looking at us, at the faith, from the outside and doing about as good a job as you could to describe it. But what I realized is he he doesn't know God. And so he can't write about what he doesn't know. There's a phrase that a philosopher named Charles Taylor uses to describe how many people approach life today. It's it's, it's a 50 cent word, he calls it, that we look at life through an imminent frame. And uh, imminence is a theological term that means right here, everything's right here, right now. And what he means is that the modern way of looking at things, the secular way of looking at things is is that everything that matters is in a box. And there's nothing outside of the box. Nothing can break into the box. And the only way you can explain life is by staying within the box. And so Jonathan Franzen's brilliant novel is looking at faith inside of the box. He doesn't have any tools to explore this concept that we have that God has come into the box. And so 15, 16 years ago when we set about our values, one of them is prayer, and the reason one of the reasons why is, is we wanted to say right from the beginning that we believe that there is more than the box. Uh, there is something going on beyond the box. Here are the values, just to review, that we're going over this winter before on our way to Lent and Ash Wednesday, which will be in this room, which will be, in, be good. Uh, community, study, prayer, beauty, Work, and justice. We'll talking about one of those. And when we say tonight that we believe in prayer, re- really it's kind of a metaphor for the whole life of faith. Um, all of scripture is rooted in this idea that the God who lives outside of the box has entered into the box through his son, made it possible through the death of his son for us to be in relationship with him and so the whole journey of scripture is this idea of a covenant people a people who are in union and fellowship with God and you see this uh, God coming to to Abraham Uh, you, you see this in the First verses of Exodus, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. You see it when they go into the promised land, the book of Joshua. The prophet says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And then, of course, you see it when the living word himself comes so that we could be in covenant relationship with God. So this is why we value prayer is because we believe that there's more than the box. And that it's, there's actually, and this is the thing that's so sad about Franzen's novels. No one is ever saved. No one's ever redeemed. No one's ever healed. They just get worse and worse. They try harder and harder. Because there's no one outside the box to help. Well, Christians believe that there is, and that's why we value prayer. And here's how we uh, express this value. If we could put that up here. We affirm our dependence upon the God revealed to us in the scriptures. And affirm that we are powerless to live fully the life we were created to live. Without his guidance and empowering spirit. We affirm that we as individuals and as a congregation are in a covenant relationship with a God who speaks. We affirm that God gives all the gifts of the Spirit to his people today. We affirm the practices of individual and congregational discernment. We affirm healing prayer for the sick and receiving and testing of prophetic words. We affirm the ancient practice of the daily office, praying morning and evening for our city. So tonight, to just kind of meditate on this value for a moment, I wanted us to look at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Timothy was a young church planter uh, sent by Paul to pastor a congregation in Ephesus, and uh, you get the impression that it's not going well. There's all sorts of references to spiritual warfare and people leaving the church and conflict and don't be afraid and all these kind of things. And you get the feeling that the young man had kind of fired off one of those Paul, why on earth did you send me here and can I have a transfer? And so the, this letter is written to a very anxious young pastor. And so, of all the things that he could say, chapter one's an introduction. Of all the things he could say to a a pastor, pastoring a church in uh, Ephesus, a city where there was just a lot lot going on, a lot of spiritual things going on, Uh, of all the things that he says, he says, first of all, pray. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way. And this is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Take a deep breath, Timothy. Let's get our priorities straight. First, pray. Well, shouldn't he have said, "First Timothy, feed the poor. First Timothy, study the scripture. Well, he's going to get to that. But he says, no, 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 let's step back here. First of all, pray. He describes four different kinds of prayer, supplication, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving, scholars don't think these are technical terms for certain kinds of prayer, it's more the idea of pray any way you can, however you can, as often as you can. And I did a little study in in the New Testament, the early church was a praying church, lots of different ways that they prayed, and here's just a summary of it, this actually on Wednesday was going to be the sermon, but I thought, it was too much. <laughs> so, um, fixed hour prayer is in there. Congregational prayer, healing prayer. By the way, as we were worshiping tonight, just 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 such a sweet time of worship. I wanted to uh, to offer heal, some healing prayer after the service in the conference room behind there. Um, we'll get back to offering that regularly. COVID's kind of kept us from doing that, but we will have some. Masked prayer bandits back there who will uh, uh, pray for you um, for any kind of need that you have. Charismatic prayer, intercessory prayer, conversational prayer, contemplative prayer. That would have been a long sermon, huh? But um, the, mer- the message paraphrases 1 Timothy 2.1. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. And one of the reasons why I think those different methods of prayer are significant is you might find at different times in your spiritual life, a different form of prayer connects with you more than others. I don't think you have to practice all of them. As David pointed out, there's a lot of it going on in the church. In my own life, you know, it's interesting. I I find myself on my journey, my prayer life has changed over the years. And in different seasons, I'm drawn to different kinds of prayer. So if you find maybe one kind of prayer is not working very well for you, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just may be a time to explore another aspect of of prayer. So who do we pray for? Well, if we could put the the text back up, um, we are to pray for all people. Does that remind you of of any... uh, any Old Testament prophetic word? Well, it, it, it's, a, it's reminiscent of Jeremiah 29.7, which you hear a lot of around here. Seek the peace of the city where I sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its peace you will find your peace. This is really a beautiful strategy of the Lord why does God send his people into a neighborhood to seek its peace what's a primary way we seek the peace of our neighborhood we pray for it other things yes but first of all we pray we've been doing this for almost 18 years every week usually no fireworks sometimes it's kind of boring sometimes it's not Week after week, for almost 18 years, we've been interceding for our neighbors. There's a wonderful little section in the newsletter. Um, and, and By the way, I really encourage you, just as kind of a spiritual practice, to, to, to click on that and read it. It'll take you less than two minutes. Uh, it's a great way to kind of stay connected to us, and Heath does a great job with it. Um, there's a new section we've started called the, the Front Porch. And uh, Kelly and Lisa are uh, uh, editing it. And every week we're going to have a little different um, uh, story or insight, uh, uh, letting you know a little bit about our neighborhood, what God's doing here, what its story is, what some of its needs are. And it's a way to help you know how to serve our neighborhood and to pray for it. So a primary gift that we give to our neighborhood is to pray for it. Now, uh, let's go back to our passage again. What, What happens when we do that? Well, we also pray for kings and all who are in high positions. We pray for the leaders. And then he describes what happens when a church prays. The first thing that happens is that the community around us experiences peace. Thanksgivings, prayers be made for all people. Skip ahead that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. Prayer affects a community. Chaos is replaced by quiet. Reconciliation replaces violence. Love chases out hate. It's hard to measure that. And I would never want to say that, oh, we've done all this great prayer. I mean, goodness knows we've made a modest effort, but we've tried. But I think about this sometimes, and I say this just with gratefulness and humility. When God called us downtown, there was a lot of chaos downtown. Downtown. It was struggling. There was a lot of drug dealing. There was a lot of pain. And one of the things God just asked us to do was to set up shop and pray there. And we did for 15 years. And I like to think in some small way, the, the renaissance of downtown Knoxville has been encouraged by your prayers, by our prayers the prayers of many many others prayer brings peace well when we pray as a church we we please god and paul says this is good it's pleasing in the sight of god our savior I, this is really counterintuitive but one of the reasons we pray is because it brings pleasure to god God is a father who loves to be with his children. And just as if I get in my car tonight and I have a a text for my son that says, please call me, it it won't take me 30 seconds to get on the phone because nothing gives me more pleasure than for my kids to call me. God finds so much pleasure when we just talk with him like we're doing tonight. I think our hymns are often prayer, prayers. I think tonight we were praying. Why, why would you come to a frigid night out and join in the prayers of the people? Why would you get on Zoom with a small group and pray? Why would you come on Saturday morning at 10 and walk with me around the neighborhood knowing whatever the weather? Why would you do that? Well, one reason is God has pleasure when we pray. Well, then lastly, when we pray, people are saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And in prayer, we join the mission of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so one of the things that happens when we pray for our neighbors is that some of their spiritual eyes are opened and they respond to the gospel. That's one of the reasons we pray. Jenna Morgan, one of our members, uh, when we were moving in here, she said, you know, one of my dreams is that um, All Souls would be kind of like the nuns on Call the Midwife. And I had not seen the show, and, you know, I confess, that wasn't like my top thing to go watch a show on midwifing. Um, but my, my wife and I have fallen in love with it. We watch it. Every night, there's 10 seasons now. <laughs> so we are binging Call the Midwife, which for us is like one show a night. But we, we love it. We love it. And, and, and it's, it's this beautiful little story of this community of, of nuns who during the day go out and offer medical care to the poor. And then in the morning and the evening, they end and begin with prayer. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture of who we could be. I hope we do all sorts of wonderful service and things, but that it's rooted in prayer. When I think of of the value of prayer, um, I know it's hard to measure its impact. But whenever I think of this in our church, I remember an old story that comes to us from medieval Europe, and I'll I'll end with this. Um, Many years ago, a community of monks began a small monastery on a hill overlooking a French village. And at first, the villagers were suspicious of the monks. The monks mostly kept to themselves, however, just devoting themselves to prayer up in the hill. The years passed, and the villagers almost forgot that the monks were up in the monastery praying for the village. Then one day a farmer came into the market, unloaded his cart, said to a friend, you know, I could swear, I think my pumpkins are bigger now than they used to be. And his friend replied, you know, I, I'm almost certain that my cow gives more milk now than she used to. And then the sheriff walked by, he heard the two farmers talking, and he said, you know, now to mention it, I've got fewer criminals in my jail now than ever before. Then one by one, they looked up the hill at the little monastery and they knew why. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift we can give to this little neighborhood the gift of prayer. I thank you for the thousands of hours of prayer this little community has offered for the city. I pray for tens of thousands of more. Lord, as Matt led us tonight, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is healing. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Tonight, as we come to the table... I pray that you'd meet us in a special way, and tonight's just kind of on my heart that maybe those here with physical needs or emotional needs, even needs for maybe some encouragement or just to kind of sit and listen with the Lord for a little bit, I, I just pray for some, some good prayer back in our little conference room behind the, behind the worship sanctuary. Meet us, Lord, we pray tonight at your ta- table. in your name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give.